Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of 3 In, 3 Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. You can find me out on Twitter at Clinton Bon, and I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Find him out on Twitter at Seahawks, Seahawkers Pod, Seahawkers Pod. I should, I should know these things by now, Brandon. And tonight, it's Wednesday night, my time. Uh, it's a little bit, little bit five o'clock-ish, dinner time on the West Coast. We're live on the Locker Room app. Of course, we're talking Seattle Seahawks because we're fanatics. And the topic du jour today is, drumroll please. Julio. Julio. We're talking Julio Jones today because, well, lots of people are fired up about him going on a pretty dumb talk show. You know, we could talk about that show for, 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 for probably a hot minute right there and blurting out. I know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I kind of like my football players like Christian Nicoya, you know, three, give him the ball and just the cloud of dust. And the dude doesn't say nothing, just scores touchdowns. But nowadays, the modern athlete, more outspoken. And Brandon, we have yet another superstar athlete who wants out. He wants out of the ATL. He wants out of the circle of, you know, the gravitational pull of Maddie Mediocre. He wants to go potentially go get a chip. And I think the big discussion for us is. Should this dude, should we, the Seattle Seahawks, should we pursue Mr. Julio Jones or, you know, just just let it let it fly, let it slide and let him go somewhere else? Yeah, it's not very often that you hear a player, especially a future Hall of Famer going on live television and making it very clear that he wants out of his current situation. You know, we we've we've heard the rumblings of, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of making it known that he could potentially want out, but not explicitly coming out and saying it directly. And I, there just isn't too many times where, where that happens. You know, Deandre Hopkins maybe was the, the next closest name. Maybe it's a receiver thing. I, it it seems to be like it's a receiver thing, but uh, they are the, they are the divas, right? So it's (laughs) like, if it's going to happen in any position, you expect it to be, uh, to, to, to be wide receiver. And then, you know, the quarterbacks have the most sway, so you kind of expect it. You expect quarterbacks to do it too, just because of who they are. And we've seen a little bit of that, like you mentioned recently. It's it's you know yes, and it's still it's still a little unbecoming for me. I like I like I said, I like my like my dudes to kind of just you know not be so vocal about that they want out of town. Maybe maybe back channel that. Maybe work the politics and the back channeling and get yourself out of there. I think you're actually hurting your team's chances of, of making a move, or if they're making a move. You're actually hurting their potential ability to get the most value for you as well, which might actually hurt your chance of getting out of the thing you want to get out of. So, but it's interesting, Brandon. I do want to. I do want to bring this up at the onset. I know we're going to talk Julio. I'm sure we'll dive into you know a little bit of his history and and you know, some landing spots potentially. And of course, should should we pursue him? The topic of the day, and we're going to talk to people live. But pop quiz for you there, Brandon. Do you know what? Without looking it up, what? Julio Jones's name really is. <laughs> it's not Julio Jones. It's not even close to Julio <laughs> Jones. I mean, well, no, the Jones part is is close because that's his last name. So it is very, very close. But Julio is nowhere near his first name. I found that out today while Googling. Ah, yes. Uh, Quintoris Lopez Jones to go with his full government. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Correct. Quintoris Lopez. Chalk that up for things I learned uh, today, right? So, um, and you know, I was, I, what I wanted to dive into, Brandon, was, you know, I wanted to go back and just look at the dudes, just straight up stats. And I mean, hey, you'll go back and look, and you look at, look at what he's compiled really since 20, he came in the league 2011, 
really since 2014 on, you know, almost 1600 yards, almost 1900 yards, over 1400, over 1400, almost 1700, almost 1400. And then last year was kind of banged up. Um, you know, I, I think we're all cool with the fact that this dude's getting a gold jacket one day. This dude is a Hall of Fame wide receiver, one of the best of his generation. And the question that really matters is, should the Seahawks pursue this guy? Yeah, and I, I, it's an interesting question. And a lot of people have very clear thoughts on this. And some people have the thought of, it depends, right? And, and we can get into that too. But it was very clear by what you said is, is that you do not want him. And I'm wondering, just based on how you're feeling about this, is it because of the, the outspokenness of how he wants out? Is it his age? Oh, is no, it a yeah. combination of, of all these? Yeah, so for me, and, and I, I want to preface this, I like a, a good preamble. I, when the news was kind of coming out or, uh, that he was he wanted out, and then you know Seahawks Twitter is amazing and fun and frantic and, and amazing and all these things already. And um, I just saw a lot of tons of fanfare, like Pete, make the call, John, make the call, like things like we need this guy, like we need this guy, and I was inundated with that on my on my timeline, and I'm sitting there going like. I can't be the only Seahawks fan that really could give, you know, two you know what's about Julio Jones becoming a Seahawk. And in fact, I don't want him to be a Seahawk and I love to go through it. So I did throw a Twitter poll out there again at Clinton Bond yesterday. And usually I'll put a poll out there. I'll be lucky if I get like, you know, four votes. And, you know, I put out dumb things like, you know, a Fifth Avenue versus a whatchamacallit. By the way, the answer is whatchamacallit. But that will get four votes and whatchamacallit will win and rightly so. This time it blew up. It was, it was, I was, you know, I am and you be like, oh, wow, we got 20 something votes. Wow. I got 40 something votes. And, you know, we ended up with 190 votes. The early, early uh, sway was I, one of the, one of the top, one of the answers was yes, I'm dumb as in me, I'm dumb, meaning we should go get Julio. And the other was I'm with you, meaning no, we, I don't want Julio. The early votes were, were really, really like uh, two out of three for Clint Bonner is stupid. Let's go get Julio. <laughs> and then and then about, you know, eight, nine o'clock last night, my time, or a little later, it, the tide turned, ended up with 190 votes total, 50, almost 55, 45. Do people do not want Julio Jones? I was actually shocked. I thought more people would be like, yeah, go get him, go get him. But I think more cooler heads are prevailing. So maybe before we dive into our particular whys, uh, any reaction to the, to, the, to the flash poll that we ran last night? Yeah, I, I think that I can be swayed either way. And I do want to get into some research of my own that I did into Hall of Fame players who, you know, guys who are, it's clear that they're going to be in the Hall of Fame once they retire but guys who have been traded in their 30s, because it's, it's mm. not very often that you see a future Hall of Famer traded in his 30s. I went back and just even over the last, oh, 15, 20 years or so, it's it's happened maybe a handful of times. And so you can you can count pretty well the guys who are in that category and guys who have been traded for, you know, a third round pick or higher. And so I think Julio is going to find himself in this category. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to do a comparison to see, you know, how he kind of shook out and how their careers shook out after being traded to see if, you know, 100 percent of the time it was benefiting one side or the other. And so I, I do want to get into that, too. But going back nice. to your stats, Clinton, 
I, I don't really want to gloss over this because you, right. you pointed out the fact that the the number of high yardage receiving seasons he's had and and last year was the down year because he only played nine games out of the 16. But every season before that would be a Seahawks season record because DK Metcalf just this last year hit 1300 receiving yards in one season and set the all time record for the Seahawks. And so Julio, he's, he's not far removed from hitting these types of seasons. And so I can see the appeal of having another star receiver on the Seahawks to pair with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And you have these three guys and people were talking about, you know, who, who else should we get in terms of receiver? And yes, you could draft one, but you know, who's another star that you could pair with and maybe not star, but I, I do feel like Julio now going into age 32 in the 2021 season, he's kind of getting to that age where, yeah, maybe he could take a little bit more of a supporting role, but also add that dynamic of, Man, if you pair him with the two receivers that the Seahawks have, what is a defense going to do? How are they going to cover all three of those guys? Totally understood. And this, this is what this is the part I really want to dive into. And statistics-wise, this is that's the point. That's why I wanted to put those out there. I think anybody who just dismisses it right away is, you know, go go relook at his stats a little bit, and, and they are just. They're incredible. His, tw- his 2015 year, 136 receptions, almost 1,900 yards. Crazy. One, By the way, though, one stat line he just doesn't really, hasn't really been a monster in is touchdowns. Yeah. Again, going back to fantasy football, like, I mean, most people will know that anyway, but especially fantasy football players are always kind of burned by the fact that Julio just doesn't score that many touchdowns. He only has 16 his entire career. He's only hit double digits once, and that was 2012. Yeah. 2012. Second year in the NFL. Yeah, that's a, that's a long that's a long time ago, man. So like his last five years played. Okay, last year's kind of a wash. You know, three, six the year before that, eighth the year before that, three the year before that, sixth the year before that. I, I understand the dude is is putting up amazing amazing yards in a in a system a favorable system where they threw the ball a ton inside a dome and then going to play other teams that were inside domes a lot, so really good conditions. And then if even if it wasn't domes. You're at a place like Carolina, usually good weather. All that stuff does factor in. With all that, his touchdowns are just not that impressive. They, they just aren't. So that that is also for me a big factor. But you you asked the point. So listen, if this was the twenty the twenty twenty season and we're sitting there with David Moore as our three, I was pounding the table for Antonio Brown, even with all his off field problems. Because guess what? I don't look at football players or my athletes as like my guiding light when it comes to my moral compass. I I take the Charles Barkley. I am not a role model model approach here back from the old 90s commercial. I really don't care what they do off the field as as long as they're not you know, basically murdering people and, and other bad stuff. <laughs> that's that's the want, line for Clinton Bonner. Yes, <laughs> I yes. want my team to be awesome as long as my dudes aren't murdering people. Yeah, if you're getting a murder, death, kill, you know, demerit from uh from from the awesome Stallone and and uh, uh what's her face uh, the Sandra cop, Bullock, you know, yeah. she's a demolition she's in man. Speed and yeah, yeah, demolition, demolition man, fantastic. If you're getting the demerits from there, then I probably don't want you. But but if it's like a, a little demerit, no big deal. I, I you know just I I have other things uh, to yeah, worry Antonio's about. In my a, life a little bit more on the high side of just a little, but yeah, I, I, I see what yeah, you're getting. Yeah. Your your tolerance level is maybe higher than most. It's higher than most for athletes because that I don't live with them. I, I can control what's in my inside my house and not what's inside some athlete's head. And that's that that served me well so far for 43 years. With that, 
I, if this is last year, I'd be, be pounding the table. Go get this dude. We really need a three. That we absolutely need this guy. All, all these things. Now another. Here's the reasons. Another year of DK uh, evolving into into the alpha dog. Amazing. Thirteen hundred yards. Great season. Another consistent year of Tyler, where he actually had his best statistical year ever. Although up and down, and some games, some games he'd quote unquote disappear. That was really the entire offense disappearing. Less than less than Tyler. So another amazingly solid year by Tyler. Then we go get that that missing piece that I I was so like, hey, we need that that quick twitch dude. We go get D Eskridge. I'll I'll put my chips behind that guy. I think if we add Julio now, it, we got too many cooks in the kitchen. We we don't throw the ball forty two times a game. I want those attempts going to our guys. One of which is entering year three. One of which is a rookie. And distributing the ball in different ways. I just, I think he'd be a tremendous cog in a negative way, like it, like mucking up the works of how we're progressing as an offense. And I don't want that. And he's 32 and he's got a monstrous contract and we're lacking draft picks in the years ahead. So uh, there's, there's so many cons for me that to me, this was like an obvious, no, thank you, hard pass, let him go somewhere else. And let's just let DK become the next Julio Jones, who, by the way, gets a heck of a lot more touchdowns than Julio ever did. We are recording live via the Locker Room app, and we're going to be bringing people in here in just one moment. But you, you brought up the current personnel, and to me, that is the weakest argument for me in terms of, of, of how I feel about bringing on Julio Jones. In fact, I think that with the personnel and the situations that everyone is in, I think it's the best time because Tyler Lockett just got paid. So you aren't going to have any kind of issues there. He's got his money. He's getting paid. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he, he may uh, reduce the number of balls that he gets thrown his way, but I, I think that that matters a little bit less. Uh, DK, he's still two years off of getting paid out of his rookie deal. So two years in the league, he's got two more years left under contract. By the time it comes time for him to get paid, he's going to be getting paid top of the market deal anyway. So I think in terms of friction with your stars, it's probably going to work out the best for them. And that's the way I see it. No, I I hear you. And it's okay that you're wrong sometimes, right? That That's okay. <laughs> And, but the thing is like, okay, so where, where's, what do you think it does if Julio is on the team? Is it just simply for you? Hey, that's a better offense with Julio on the team than it, than it's not. Because at the end of the day, that is really the argument. Are we better with that dude or are we not? Because it's not our money. The salary cap we know is all mysterious, magical, you know, mythical money in the first place. Anyway, Schneider's a genius and, and a wizard. We all, we know all these things. I actually think that, well, this, this is a hard one to say out loud. I actually think we, I don't think we'd be as effective with Julio Jones at his age. To me, he's just like having a, I know it might be dumb to say in saying it aloud makes it even, <laughs> it makes sounds, me feel it dumb. It sounds dumb when you say it, it aloud. It sounds dumb, <laughs> but it's like having another, having another DK um, might not be what's, what's needed for this, this team, you know, that, and, and I really look at Julio as another, another DK type. And I don't know. I just want to see, I want to see DK go get. Like how many receptions did DK have last year? 80, yeah, it was, it was, something it was like that. 80, 80, yeah. 80, right? So I want to see DK get to the point where Lockett's still getting his 90, 100, and DK is getting like 115, 120. Like as opposed to DK still at 85, 90, 
Julio getting whatever it might be, 60, 70, 80, 90, and then Lockett taking, you know, probably a slide back into the 80s again. Uh, I I want to see DK accelerate into that alpha, alpha, 1500, 1600 special, special, special place where defenses do not know what to do against him and it frees up the rest of the offense. I just, it's a gut, it's a spidey sense, it's a tingle, but that's what, that's what's coming up for me, man. I want to have as many awesome guys on the team as possible. I, I do think that there's reasons to to not go for the trade, but I do want to hear from people that we have here in the locker room app. And Ashton has had his hand raised. And so Ashton, welcome on. I look at it two ways. I look at it as like if we trade if y'all trade for him, y'all gonna be giving up a couple first round picks and maybe a really good star player if it comes down to that. Then I look at it as like as a fan as a fan and I like the um, trade, but yeah, I think if y'all get, got him, I think that will make y'all's offense a whole lot more dangerous. They don't have to just focus on really two guys. They have to focus on three guys now. Well, Ashton, I hear you, bro. And I think there's, you know, let's say the guy's name. Let's say Dwayne D. Eskridge's name. Like we drafted that guy with purpose. And I'm with you also. I don't, I don't want to give up the draft capital and then spend whatever dollars we'd have to spend on Julio. I know they probably work things out. And, I, and again, I trust Schneider to do all, all those magical things. End of the day, though, we we got a new dynamic player that I want to see be a big part of this offense, and that's the Eskridge. And that's the and by the way, Brandon and and uh, Ashton, speed, speed. What we're taking if if Eskridge is off the field in eleven personnel, if he's if he's that third wide receiver and he's off the field more, and now it's Julio, we just got slower. We got older and we got slower. And that's another thing where it's like, wait a second, this is an offense that's going to be based on misdirection, an offense that's going to be based on getting horizontal, get fall, you know, falling into zones that are created because of lots of lots of motion across, you know, going going sideline to sideline. And Julio to me does not fit that mold right now. This is not 2016 Julio. Okay, it's not 2016 Julio, but I, I do want to go back to something Ashton said about compensation and, and he threw out two first round picks. Right. There's no way any Seahawks fan would say absolutely make the trade for two first round picks. One, they don't no. have a first round pick next year. I think the compensation that, that we're, we're probably in the neighborhood of, and I don't know, maybe you go out to the, the 2023 first round pick. That's still, in terms of how people think about compensation, that's more like a second round pick anyway. The Seahawks have a second round pick next year. So let's say a second. And they also got an extra fourth back from the Jamal Adams trade that they're going to have in the 2022 draft. So let's just, for argument's sake, set the draft compensation as the a second and a fourth. And whether it'll work out that way, maybe it'll be more. Maybe you're, you're talking about two seconds. Um, still, I think in that kind of neighborhood is is maybe where we're talking. And and so I just want to use that as a baseline. I think that's super fair. And I think it's too rich. I think it's, I, I feel, and this is, this is the dude I'll raise my hand and say, uh, you know, that maybe hypocrite alert. I'm the guy that that's, that's always saying, Hey, if you got to trade, uh, you know, lottery scratchers for proven talent, do it. And to me, that's like, yeah, offensive linemen, you know, th- things of that nature, like that, just those folks you could plug and play and Julio, he's great. And he's a wide receiver that go into a new system. There's nothing plug and play about that. It's not a running back. He's not some left tackle. He is a wide receiver that's got to learn a brand new system. And 
I just, again, I don't, I don't love the fit and I don't love having to give up that compensation for it. I can talk a little bit about some of the history because I yeah. think that knowing, you know, about what, and that's why I think a second round pick and maybe another pick is a pretty good gauge just based historically on what we've seen about guys about this age that have the kind of history that they do and not, not even just talking wide receivers. Look at uh, 2008. Jason Taylor, the defensive end, he was traded from the Dolphins to Washington, and he was traded for a, a 2009 second round pick as well as a sixth rounder. Taylor was just about to turn 34. He was coming off of a Pro Bowl season. He was a six-time Pro Bowler, a three-time All-Pro. He had a little bit, and, and every one of these guys, I feel like, has a little bit of controversy associated with them, which made them available. And now, obviously, with Julio going on, uh, undisputed with Skip and Shannon and saying that he wants out, <laughs> that there's enough controversy that you can tie this in with some of these other ones. But uh, Taylor was on Dancing with the Stars that offseason, and that was like a big knock on him uh, in that offseason. So he was traded to Washington. After having a really healthy career, he ended up actually being hurt for a, a relatively good portion of that season with Washington. He ends up going back to Miami the following year, but uh, also in that age, obviously turning 34, getting to that age, Brett Favre is another one traded by the Packers to the Jets. It was a 2008 third round draft pick. It would have been a first round pick if the Jets would have made the playoffs. They finished nine and seven. You know, Favre was just about to be 39. He was coming off a of Pro Bowl season two. Uh, we knew that he was a future Hall of Famer. He's waffling on his retirement, which you know obviously made him available with Aaron Rodgers on the bench. Another one, probably the one that jumps out to me as the one that, that makes the best case for Julio is when Tony Gonzalez was traded by the Chiefs to the Falcons, and that was for a second round pick. Tony Gonzalez about to turn 32, you know, a physical tight end. He was a 10 time pro bowler, a five time all pro. The Chiefs had just finished two and 14. So kind of, you know, in that rebuilding type mode, potentially. And he goes to the Falcons and he had an outstanding career with Atlanta. He didn't make uh, Pro Bowl that first season, but he had 867 uh, receiving yards. I think that was Matt Ryan's rookie year. And then he went on to, to make four straight Pro Bowls. He was all pro in 2012. So he finished his career strong even you know going to Atlanta at the age of 33. Yeah, I love I love the the, the research the crack research is certainly uh intriguing to dig into and and the Tony Gonzalez one is it's kind of cool just because of the the mirroring of going to Atlanta and now now a player leaving Atlanta, right? Um and Tony Gonzalez was special, but it's also real hard for me to sit here and be honest and say Julio Jones isn't or wasn't special because we just went through a dude's his stats. He will be a Hall of Famer. He is. He has been a special talent in this league. So, so I I do like that. And there's 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 definitely nothing there for me to say. Hey, this dude won't be successful. That that's not it. That's like saying last year Antonio Brown wouldn't be successful if he went to you know if he ended up in a team with with a good quarterback. We all saw how that played out. He's uh, you know he's got to raise the Lombardi and was really good down the stretch and and played really well in the playoffs. It's it's that the logical conclusion is that where he goes, he'll he'll be successful. It is a matter of is is that person right for the team, 
right now and how they're structured. And that's you know kind of what we talked about uh, previously. And I do want to go back and I, I there's one thing I regret so far, Brandon, and which which for me <laughs> that's a pretty good day. If I regret one thing, I'm having a pretty good day. Um, but the one thing I do want to regret is as you said, hey, was it that he went out and and he, and he you know he mouthed out to the world that he wanted out? And I said, no, 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 it's not that. But it's it's partly that because he went with freaking Skip Bayless, right, on un, <laughs> Undisputed, and he chose that medium of all mediums, that horrific, you know, clickbaity show that they have, and he dumps the he dumps that dumpster juice there. So so he does he does get dinged for anybody who doesn't listen to the Seahawkers podcast. I mean, you, well, do better, you ought to. But you guys literally have a segment every single week for what six years now or so, seven years. That is, uh, you know, better at life than Skip Bayless, and it's it's wonderful. So he must, as a Seahawks fan, he must take a ding for going on that show and making that the place to break it. I'm curious though. This is actually there's been some different reporting on this, and I want to know what you think. Do you think that that was set up because people are are saying, man, if Shannon did that to him, just called him up and didn't let him know that he was live on TV asking him those questions, then that's kind of messed up. But I I also think that it was probably set up. I mean, listen, that feels like a WWF, not even WWE, right? We're going to go straight. We're going to go straight old school here. That just feels like a beautiful WWF play, right? They like, I just don't think. And and by the way, if Julio Jones thinks that Sharp is calling him up and and he, he doesn't doesn't have an, a, an inkling in his brain that this might get out somewhere. And the, the fact that the guy hosts a national show, well, that's another ding on Julio right there. That another reason I want the guy, because I'm not sure what's going on between, between the ears there. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think that it was, you know, it was, it was as set up as, as Antonio Brown receiving a call in his kitchen where there happened to be a HD camera filming him when he became a, a free man and was able to go dance by his pool about, you know, escaping, what was that, escaping Oakland at that point? I forget exactly where he was uh, escaping he from escaped that point. He escaped so many career. places. I mean, who knows? Yeah, he, he has escaped. Yeah, he's escaped the law. He's escaped some places, that's for sure. But uh, it felt, it felt as, it feels as authentic as that did, which, which wasn't. And plus, it's live television. I mean, shows like that are produced and... At the very least, they had it set up as planned for Shannon to make that call as part of the show, because that just doesn't happen spontaneously as as guys are talking on TV. They have time to fill. They have to make commercial breaks. And if you call and nobody picks up for for me, that's not good TV. So you're wasting airtime at that point. I, I just don't think that that happens without being set up a little bit. No, yeah, the perfect point. I think your last point seals the deal there. Last episode, you you cornered me on something like Matlock and Columbo, and you really you really got me. This time, you're turning the screws to to that whole production, and I think you're right. That last point, yeah, don't just call in a wing wing in a prayer, hoping the dude picks up, and then be like, oh well, he didn't pick up. Well, next topic, right? It just that's, and that's to add to your WWF point. Skip right before he answers the phone. Skip's like, well, he's probably too much of a coward to even answer the phone. <laughs> Right, right. It was, exactly. It, was yeah, yeah. To, it wasn't that exactly, but it was something to that. No, to but that he's effect. basically got. He's basically taking the Mister Fuji dust and blowing it, blowing it in somebody's eyes right then and there. And then, oh, I, I didn't say nothing. You know, I didn't see nothing. Yeah, that's that's a that's a setup from Jump Street is is my call. I think I think you nailed it perfectly. Recording live in locker room, and uh, what do you say we bring in Phil? He's on the line. How you doing, Phil? Well, how are you guys? I haven't been on here in a little bit. Last several nice. times you've had your show, it's been. 
one of my key responsibilities of life have been taking place during the same time. Uh, yeah, Sunday morning, maybe maybe not during church time is is the best time. <laughs> <laughs> that probably doesn't work for me. Yes, and then also so- soccer coaching has happened quite a few times as well. So that's been the two big areas. Phil, we welcome you back. We're glad we could do it on a time that works for you. And I'll say next time it's next time it's soccer practice, dude. Just you know, sneak away or go on the pitch. Do whatever you got to do. Like you know, be be the be the be a be a guy out there. Just be like, hey, dude, got to take a phone call. Sneak away. Give us give us what you got, and then and then head back to practice. Yep, that that'd be all right as well. Well, I didn't want to interrupt all the Julio stuff. I think you guys covered that pretty well. Did you guys uh, were you guys ready for another uh, paying games with Phil by chance? Oh, let's do it. Oh, yes. Pain games. I love it. Yes. You ready? All right. So I like to think about the Seahawks team here tonight as a well-functioning body, you know, like it all fit, work together. But you got to take care of all the areas, right? You can't let some get flabby and, and slack. So there's there's a little bit of pain involved. You only have so much how you can invest. I like to think of a like an area. We're going to talk about different areas of the team. Fit is what you're going for. Balanced, strong, ready to perform. Skinny, you know, not enough investment there. You know, it's lacking nutrients, lacking exercise. Has it just hasn't been invested as it could. And then fat, you know, there's resources there, but they need whipped into shape, need trimmed up a little bit. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna list off. We'll start here with linebacker. How do you guys feel? Fit, skinny, or fat on linebacker? I will say fit because there's still room. There's still room to overindulge yourself by making the KJ Wright signing. Ooh, okay. I, 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 I like it. I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, right now, I'm going to go. I'm gonna, I feel like it's a little skinny because of that right now. Because okay. right now we're that. looking at, right now we're looking at KJ's not on the team right now. And we're looking at what, Cody Barton? I mean, who, who is, who's, who is that? Is it, uh, is it going to be, um, Oh, who was it last week that they were for rookie camp? They're like, he might go play Sam. Oh, Daryl Taylor. Yeah, Daryl Taylor. Sorry, I couldn't, couldn't pull his name right there. Yeah. I mean, that that's uh, intriguing and all, but the dude just rushed off the edge his entire college career. And all of a sudden he's going to be, hey, Bruce Irvin 2.0, go do this instead. As opposed to the thing you were really, really good at. Now, Bruce Irvin was such an athlete, he could go and be good there. Uh, but maybe it wasn't the best use of Bruce Irvin. Really, Taylor actually uh, and, dropped and it, back more into coverage in college than than you might think, especially if you go back to his season before his his last season at Tennessee. He nice. was he was even out on you know darn near outside corner, like lining up across the dude <laughs> right next to the cornerback in some situations. Like I said, he's a natural fit for Sam. It's it's a lovely transition, <laughs> and uh, and but I still I still feel we're skinny because that investment in KJ would be would get us right there if, if we have kj oh, back okay. with, with bobby and then and then of course we got brooks that that to me is a, a very fit looking core so i'm skinny on that right now so we're getting there skinny could be fit soon how about running back i'm actually fit on that one and it's and it's um and i'll, I'll give some praise to to a player that folks who know me probably won't think i will but i like the combination of carson penny and collins i think that's Plenty, and then we have then we have dudes, right? We got Homer, we got guys. We'll see how DJ works out. We'll see how Homer works out. We'll see if any of the uh, UDFAs work out. But as a as a triplet going into the season, that trio that's pretty good. That's a pretty good trio, nice. especially if Penny can get back, and he still is a good change of pace guy. But what about you, Brandon? How you feeling? I, I'm feeling fit. I I think that, gosh, I 
I don't love the running back group. I would it would uh, make mm. me feel better if they had some younger talent at this point. But I I'm not too big on Dallas and and Homer's fine. Now nah, maybe I'm leaning more skinny on this now that now that I'm saying it out loud. So we got a we got a skinny hoping for fat soon, and we got a wishing <laughs> for fit leaning skinny. So you guys, you know, we're getting in. We're close to fit on all the way around. How about tight end then? They got Everett. You you have Will Disley, obviously. I I, I think they're fit there. Yeah, and with yeah. all the other depth that they have. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting. I'm, I'd actually trend towards fat there because I think there's some like, like the, you framed it up like whipping into shape of some of those other pieces. Yeah, yeah. You know, we 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 lost I Hollister, and and he I mean, he was actually a, a a really interesting piece of that. He had a role, right? He he did what he did. He did it pretty damn well. Um, right now, I I feel like there's a lot of unknown with mm-hmm. with anybody that's 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 not Disley or Everett. I think beyond that, it's like yeah. So uh, for for me, I'm feeling a little like that group in general has to get whipped into shape. And with that, I do like the Everett signing. I do like the one two that the the far top two I like a lot. But as a group, I'm actually going to go fat for that group. Yeah, possibilities needs a little toned up. We'll we'll see here. How about the wide receiver group? Oh, do we have Julio or no? <laughs> I would say right now we do not have Julio. I just checked. No, we don't. No, I, I think that they're lacking a little bit still at wide receiver. And oh. I think that the reason why now they've addressed it in terms of youth, but you have DK and Tyler, and those are the two proven guys. After that, I'm not sold on anybody on the team. So I that's and that goes into me making the case for Julio if they could actually swing that. And yes, there's the money situation, the trade situation. That would make him right out bloated though, wouldn't it? Like it would, but I, I'm overindulging. Yeah. I, I think that that's a spot that I wouldn't mind them uh, being <laughs> bloated and overindulging. Yeah. I, I'll, I'm, I'll, I understand that. And it is the one, two, but I also have to weigh like how good of a one, two it is. It's, it's one of the best one, two punches in the oh, league. Yeah. And they are, very, they're very different type of back, a very different type of wide receivers also, which is interesting. So I'm, I'm a firm fit there. And, you know, yeah. Freddie Swain, Freddie Swain was a good rookie. He was good. Um, and, and I was still, Hey, we, we still don't have that, that, that guy said his name a thousand times. Eskridge, who I think, I think he took number one, right? I think that's his number that he took. He did his jersey bold number. Move, yeah, which, bold move, yeah, yeah. take number one. I like one. that. I like that. Yeah. I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do a bold move and go get myself a D Eskridge jersey, like just <laughs> balls out, do it, and then and then just own it. Let's see, let's see if it ends up being an 18 Karen or whatever it might be. But but I, I'm fit there, Phil. I think that's a that's a solid group. Um, you know, then you got the the five guys, six guys. So you got your penny hearts, and then you start to get to well, who's gonna really round it out? We'll we'll yeah, see. I'm but with between you. I'm Swain with you. I being sweet yeah, on yeah, I'm with you, man. I think Swain being a good four who could be an okay three, and and what Eskridge can, what I think he will be as a three, and then your top two just being two dogs. Yeah, I, I'm pretty fit with our wide receivers. I like them. And then DB, I see how you could go all different directions on DB. Really? What do you guys got on that? <laughs> well, if you're if for DB you're including the safeties and the corners, mm. and so that's where I think yeah. you could. I was trying to shorten up the time, but yeah. maybe that actually expands it to where it's more complicated. I think that they're still uh, they they have some room to go. So I, I guess skinny is is this one too because 
again at corner, I don't, I'm not sold that they have the guys that they need to for this year in terms of starters. Okay. You got DJ Reed, you got Jamal Adams and uh, you know, you got your other pro bowler back there too. And uh, I, I think he's making a number switch two to six, it's right? Like the guy in the gym that only does the biceps, but he never gets the tries or anything else. And so he's just kind of got these weird looking arms. Is that what you're saying? I don't know if that's what I'm saying at all, but <laughs> is, is that, I was going to say, is, is that, is that Quadre Diggs? We talk about the same dude here. What's, what's, what's happening? I, what, I haven't taken a good look at Quandre Diggs's arms, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should look harder, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a straight skinny there because we're starting the year yeah. without knowing we're not, we don't know right now who's our second cornerback. Our first cornerback is a guy that stepped in last year, broke a mold, did a great job, and you know d- did a good job. He was a good, he's a good, good cornerback with Reed. We don't have a number two right now. We're kind of scrap heaping with the Okellos of the world. We'll see if Trey Brown it can be ready, you know, week one. But that's that's a pretty tall I mean, order. Future there, Hall Nordberg. of Famer Trey Brown right, should right, be right. ready for week one, but uh, he should be. Yes. He should be. You know, he's <laughs> he's older, right? So he should have all that experience. Um, but that to me is just I know the safety tandem. It's it's real solid. Love it. We don't know who who the nickel is. The, you know, and, and we got players. You know, we, we got we got Amadi. We we got we got dudes there. We'll figure it out. Right now, that that to me, that's the weakest position uh, group in the entire team. Yeah. Guess what? We got the first one you guys agreed on all the way. So maybe hey. we realize that's where the investment needs to happen. O line, O line. They are I, they're fit. I, I I'm fine with who they have there. Could they add a guy like Morgan Moses from Washington and and bring him in to compete at right tackle? Yes. Uh, but I if yeah. if they didn't make any moves on the offensive line, stayed with Posick. Yeah, there, there's a potential for upgrade there. But I I, I can be content. I think at that position. It's fit. It's closer to skinny than it is fat. It is. Right. And I, and I realize they're different things and fat, fat has a bad connotation as well in, in this, in this exercise. Um, I don't know. It's, that, it's, I think sometimes don't you want to be a, a well, little I bit, mean, but, but fat might be like real bloated. Like, and then like, you just have like a lot of, a lot of variety. That's how I looked oh, at the okay. tight ends. Like we got, that's how I, that's at least how I observed it, it was like a lot of variety and, and not maybe you know, uh, quantity mm. over quality versus being like, no, yeah. no, we just got five dudes that are just freaking that. That's it. We know our starting five. They're locked in. So we do know our starting. So five. defensive are- line would be a good argument for, for fat probably because it's, it's bloated in the sense that you have a lot of different players, but not, not quite whipped in and tuned together yet. Maybe. Right. And not that's the not star kind of tuned up pass rushers that you really, yeah. Dunlap is the guy that you can count on, but, you got a lot of other pieces that you're really crossing your fingers, hoping that they can get a lot of work in to, to make that group fit for 2021. Yeah. And I, and that one to me is like the exact kind of opposite of old line. It's like, yeah, maybe a little bloated slash there's some whipping into shape to do. And that could be an extremely effective unit. That could be an extremely fit unit. If just one or two of those pieces pop the the hiders and, you know, Mayo comes back and look, when Mayo was used, more sparingly right? and situ more situationally versus like, Hey dude, go out there basically every, every snap. He was extremely effective when we have that many dudes who, who can, who can uh, take up snaps. I see, I foresee the ability for us to put, put our guys in the best possible situation possible, the best situations, and they'll, they will end up being a rather fit group on the D line. But yeah, I would, I would categorize it as like a little 
a little bloated and we don't quite know what pieces have to kind of really get in shape just yet. And we probably won't know until like week four, something like that is going to come together with a little bit of time. I feel like. Yeah. So rotation could be really sleek and they could really, really dominate if they get that down. Right. But we're not really sure until we see it perform. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I think that's just, oh, they're nearly factual, right? I mean, I know there's an opinion in there somewhere, but that's, that is literally what, where it is right now. Um, and Hey, I like it a lot better than where we were standing last year. That's a, that's a, that's for darn sure. Right. Yeah. Overall, you guys did a pretty good score on this personal trainer for the uh, Seahawks here. Looks like they're a little skinny on DB. Basically you mean corner. So corner needs a little yeah, bit of investment. Yeah. So I think it hints at if they're going to invest, if you guys were going to agree on something, it would probably be corner, but thanks for your time guys. I know, uh, I know I used up a lot here this time. Well, a big thanks, Phil. Uh, a big thanks to your squeaky chair for making an appearance as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, it, it brings to to bring this back to the Julio conversation, Clinton. I think that that's where some people are at too, and saying that, man, receiver. And you touched on this. Yes, okay, top heavy for sure. They have the stars. You want to you want to have space for those younger guys to develop, and. There, the investment could be made in other spots if you're going to pay Julio upwards of you know 10, 15 million. He's he's due 15 million for this upcoming season. Could Atlanta pay some of that salary? Who knows? But can that money be used elsewhere? And I think for a lot of Seahawks fans, that answer is yes. Yeah, I th- I think I think so as well. And I you know again I go back to the fact that or the the opinion that the the salary cap is, is mythical and magical and there are ways to really reshape and restructure and that would likely happen anyway with with taking on a veteran like this figuring out figuring out a way that it doesn't cripple you still i'm i'm with i'm that's that's uh, that's the that's one of the cons for me that's like it the the scales of justice here are are extremely weighed down to the con side for me it's like yep really good talent and here's all the reasons this makes no sense at all for this team right now and you know, I'm just heavily still on the the the, the con side. Now, look, if later tonight there's a, a friggin' a tweet by by the real Adam Schefter and Julio Jones is a Seahawk, dude. Like I said, I'm I'm going to sew a number eleven on my favorite pair of socks tomorrow. I'm out rah rah the fact that we got like, look at this trio. You, how the heck are you gonna stop us? You know, you're all doomed. I will flip the cap like Stallone and over the top and and be like a truck, like a machine. But right now, I got the, the 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 sober yin on my shoulder saying, "No, use the resources elsewhere and let your let your your dogs become what Julio Jones once was, because he ain't that anymore." Okay, one question here from Ryan, and then I I do have a comment that I want to see if it'll sway you, Clinton. But okay, uh, real quick, choose between KJ Sherm or Julio. How and how would you rank those three in terms of who you want on the team? in this upcoming season? That is a great question, Ryan. Great job. Great job. So, uh, and I, I, my answer would be in, in order, KJ Sherm, Julio. Yeah. See, I, I think that's probably Ryan. He was, he was subliminally, uh, putting that in your mind as to the order too, because that seems like the logical <laughs> but, order. But, but how about, how about you? You know, <laughs> what about you? Are you swayed by any of those? Uh, you know, I think I might put Sherm first just based on what we said about corners and, and how I feel about linebackers. And I think Daryl Taylor could be that fit in the KJ spot if they choose to use him that way. And I think they could use the corner position more. I, I think that's it for me. I, I I hear that. I think there's, but I think there's a lot, for me, there's a lot of fear in that. I might or change brings, that then because I think I would go Sherm. Mm. 
Sherm Julio, KJ then. I think they're like, I think when hopefully KJ's back. I mean, when I when he's gone and whoever takes his place, I think we're gonna see a delta that we're not really comfortable with, at least for a year or two. Be like, oh my gosh. How much did this dude cover? How many screens did this guy blow up? Like how, how many little things did he do right all of the time? It was, it was three years ago, three off seasons ago where it's like, well, he's probably gone. He's kind of washed. He probably had his best two years back to back as a Seahawk in his entire career the last two years. So I'm just, I'm just so hesitant to, to say sayonara to KJ. So for me, he'd be a clear number one. It'd be a shelf big time. Get him back with you know back with Brooks and, and Wagner, and then then a big drop off. Still Sherm, and then a big drop off, and then Julio for me. Man, if money weren't an issue at all, I think Julio would be my number one because I think that he, even at the age, I, I think there's potential for drop off with all three of them. But I think that I think I could picture Julio being more of an impact in helping to lead the team to a Super Bowl. And and so if that's the measurement, then I then I'm probably going Julio. I, I'm all over the place on this. So Ryan, <laughs> appreciate you asking the question. But Hawaii Hawk 808 on field goals said Julio seems like a great fit opposite DK. Lockett would destroy the universe with all the attention the other two would draw. Looking at cost, cap space is easily managed because all the possible restructures, extensions that are easily done for Brown, Wagner, Diggs, Adams, Wilson, even Julio post trade that would create plenty of space. The draft picks could be as low as number two and number four. So Hawaii Hawks right on it with me and Julio's way above that value. As for the fit, the three wide receivers would command so much attention that Chris Carson would never again see a stacked box. But when they are dumb enough to play single high looks and crowd the line, Wilson will make them pay just like he did last year before teams went to two deep looks. Do they have other needs? Sure. But another reliable playmaker would decrease the need for more time for Russ since he would be able to have more guys open quickly. Also, Julio is great after the catch, so taking the short, quick option doesn't eliminate the big play possibility. It's all about points on the offense, and that lineup of playmakers could and probably should lead the NFL in scoring. Well, you know, that that's extremely well written, right? So, I mean, like that, that, and not just stringing words together, but words with purpose and words that sway. So it's, it's a, it's a well written argument and the tugging at the heartstrings of, of Chris Carson being, being a <laughs> bit was more just for you. I knew that was of just course, for you. Of course, of course, which, which the, it, it does, it does tug at me a bit. Um, I think right now I'm in a, a bit of delirium in, in like my, my belief is an overdrive that D Eskridge is going to be really, really, really good. And I mean, like day one game, you know, game changer, really good. And this offense is going to fire and that we're going to be happy that this is the, this is the team we, we go with now. Hey, come week three, week four, I, I might be eating my words. That's very possible. Might be like, Hey, I was wrong. He wasn't, he wasn't quite ready. He wasn't, he maybe he's just not quite, quite the, the baller. I think he is. Until that happens, which will be too late for Julio, but until that happens, I'm going to stick with what I was saying. And I really like how that was laid out because that is a very strong argument for for bringing Julio in. So well done. I'm still staying with what 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 I what my gut not says. Not enough to sway. Okay. Not not quite enough, but that but that is a very well written disposition there. Well, a big thanks to everyone who participated. A big thanks to Phil for coming in and uh, playing the the little bit of a game show that he has going for us whenever he's able to make it on. 
it's uh, it's always fun recording in the locker room and uh, getting everybody into here that that wants to offer their comments. So a big thanks to everyone who who joined and look for us on the locker room app for future shows too. And and we could see you back here next time. Yeah, we are, we are excited to and you know, just just if you haven't yet, lock what is it at Brandon Locker Room dot app slash Seahawkra. And then basically you just, just click a button. And then when we go live on these, you, you'll get notified. It's pretty, pretty darn simple. Correct. You get notified. You can come in and, and be a part of it. And yeah, you can join us because we, you know, we're like Phil said, we're not exactly uh, on a, a strict schedule for when we do these things. Right. Sometimes it's in the middle of a soccer game and I'm sorry, Phil, but that's, you know, that's the way it's going to be for just a little bit. All right, Clinton. Well, let's get on out of here. And uh, I think with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.